Hello and welcome to the Harvard Center for International Development's weekly podcast. Conducting business in fragile states can be a difficult challenge for corporations, governments, and other stakeholders alike. According to the Doing Business Indicators report by the World Bank, Afghanistan has been historically ranked near the bottom of the list. Based on economic reforms implemented by the government of Afghanistan, the country has seen significant positive improvement in this year's Doing Business Indicators rankings. Specifically, Ajmal Ahmadi, senior advisor to the president of Afghanistan on banking and finance, identified the challenges of doing business in Afghanistan and began working on economic reforms to improve the business environment. Today on CID's Speaker Series podcast, Nawal Khatoub, student at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, interviews Ajmal Ahmadi, who provides further insight on the reforms he implemented with regard to doing business in Afghanistan. Thank you very much for a very informative and insightful talk. Ajmal, it would be great if you could share with us some of the reasons that makes it challenging to do business in Afghanistan. I know you mentioned some of those reasons during your talk today. So if you could shed light on some of those reasons. Sure. Thanks for having me. I think, unfortunately, in Afghanistan, there are a whole host of challenges to doing business. You know, the first thing that comes to mind, I'm sure, for anyone is the security situation. Afghanistan has been in conflict for a number of decades and security concerns play a large role in thinking of investing or not. Second is the daily challenges. And what I think about here is in particular maybe corruption or dealing with the bureaucracy in Afghanistan. Unfortunately, we're ranked low on the Transparency International rankings. And so I think when you're dealing with the government, oftentimes you have to pay bribes to get things done. And that's probably a source of frustration for potential investors. And then third is the lack of infrastructure. So Afghanistan both generates and uses one of the lowest amounts of electricity in the world. And that's because we don't have yet the electricity infrastructure to provide it throughout the country. Likewise, in terms of roads, in terms of logistic systems, we still have a number of challenges. And so that's the suite of challenges that I think investors would face. Yeah, and I know you've mentioned during your talk that you've worked on some reforms. So what are some of these reforms that you've worked on? Sure. So to address some of the concerns of investors, I think the first thing we did was align our reform efforts with the World Bank doing business indicators, which provides a sort of comprehensive measure of the business environment and ranks 190 countries. So we, in particular this year, focused on how to make it easier to start a business, invest in a business, and close a business. And as a result of our reform efforts, thankfully, Afghanistan has been ranked as the largest reformer in this year's report. And so that's a testament to the reform effort that we're implementing. In particular, we lowered the cost of opening a business. We created a one-stop shop, and therefore we saw a big jump in the starting business sub-indicator. Secondly, we passed a new company's law that improves shareholder protections and minority protections. And so as a result of that, we saw a very large jump. We were ranked last in the world based on our company's law. We now ranked 23rd in the world. And third, we created an insolvency framework so that companies that face challenges have a path to resolve those. And so the new insolvency framework replaces one that was previously in place since 1944. It allows for the appointment of receivers to manage insolvency proceedings, places creditors senior in the capital structure, and implements a whole host of other issues to make sure that that process is simplified. To solve the infrastructure problem, we've also embarked on a regional integration program. So that has included a number of different components. One of them has been the establishment of 
what we call an air corridor that allows for traders to export markets through cargo shipments at a much reduced rate and using a simplified system. As a result of the Air Corridor program, we've now sent more than 250 flights and exported more than 3,500 metric tons of Afghan goods to destinations including India, Turkey, European markets, Chinese markets, and others. We expect that growth in exports will continue as a result of that reform. We're also implementing a number of large infrastructure projects, including what we call the CASA project, which will bring 1,300 megawatts of electricity from Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan to Pakistan, as well as the TAPI project, the natural gas project, which will bring uh, natural gas from the fourth largest natural reserve in the world in Turkmenistan to Afghanistan, Pakistan, and India. Each one of these projects will result in an infrastructure constraint as well as bringing needed revenue for the Afghan government. Wow. So did you face any challenges while you were trying to promote these economic reforms? And if so, well, what are those challenges? Sure. I think I would categorize challenges in three broad buckets. So one is simply figuring out what the right policy is. Mm -hmm. Second is political issues, and third is bureaucratic. So mm -hmm. regarding the first, when you're thinking through problems in Afghanistan or why the growth environment is low or why the business environment is poor, you oftentimes have to be somewhat creative in devising the solutions. And so in Afghanistan, for example, for the establishment of the Air Corridor or figuring out which legislation to pass for the doing business indicators, you had to think through What's the best technical solution? How do we get this done? I think second, then, is, is the bureaucratic issue. There is often, in any organization, not just in Afghanistan, there's resistance to change. And so there tended to be a lot of opposition to new laws, to new programs or new processes, because people in general are hesitant to implement change. And so dealing with that bureaucratic opposition, I think, is a big challenge. And then third is the political opposition. So you have to be able to assess whether a reform you want to implement will create large political opposition, and you have to make a judgment call as to whether it's worth that political opposition, whether you want to push it through or whether you want to maybe perhaps delay a reform to deal with an issue at a later date. Yeah. Ajmal, you mentioned some areas of investment opportunities in Afghanistan during your uh, talk, and I'm wondering what are some of the reasons that would encourage investors to do business in Afghanistan? You know, here I can point to some broad reasons and then specific reasons. So broadly, I think we are doing better in the doing business indicators. We are opening up new sectors for investment. We are resolving some of the infrastructure issues. But at the end of the day, I think one of the key drivers for investors to come to Afghanistan is because it's less developed market. It's a frontier market where the profit opportunities are larger. So there are not many businessmen coming from different parts of the world to Afghanistan. That means less competition. That means the profit margins tend to be higher. And I've seen that in talking with some people in the business community who have operated for the past decade who have seen profit margins perhaps north of 50%, which is unheard of in a more developed market. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think the saying where there's high risk, there's high profitability as well, I think that goes for Afghanistan as well. So are there any particular businesses that thrive in Afghanistan and in which sector? Afghanistan is predominantly still a primary-based economy, which means that 60% of our labor force is engaged in the agricultural sector. We have a large informal mining sector, and we have a growing 
industrial base or manufacturing sector. So I think those are continue to be the sectors which we expect growth in the next few years. In the agricultural sector, I think the Air Corridor helped export agricultural goods and connect farmers with export markets. We now want to see an increase in processing of agricultural goods within Afghanistan. So we opened up our first industrial park, agricultural industrial park, outside of Kabul earlier this year. And we're now partnering with World Bank to invest in a number of new industrial parks so that we can see an expansion of agricultural processing. Likewise, we've restructured our natural resources sector, both in the hydrocarbons and mining sector. These are sectors that have been talked about for decades. There have been reports that Afghanistan has one to three trillion dollars of natural resources potential. But to turn that potential into reality, the government has been working on establishing the right legal framework so that we could move those sectors forward. So we approved a new hydrocarbons law two years ago and are establishing a new hydrocarbons regulator. Likewise, we passed a new mining law just last month, and we believe that both of these laws provide the right framework so that foreign investors can finally come to Afghanistan and turn that potential into reality. And just to wrap up, I was wondering if you have any advice to HKS students who are looking to go back and make change in their countries, which may be in a fragile state with similar environment to Afghanistan. I'm wondering if you have any final advice to students here. Absolutely. I, I was very passionate when I attended the Kennedy School as an MPAID student. And it was my goal to return to Afghanistan and have an impact. And I fortunately was able to take advantage of that opportunity. And I think I'm very happy for that. I think likewise for students now, I think first you have to be able to find your passion. So what is it that you're passionate about? You have to be honest with yourself to say whether you want to work in your home country or maybe you want to work in the World Bank or you want to work for an NGO. You have to find what you're really passionate about. I think second, you want to find a place where you can have impact. So it's good to be passionate about something, but if you, if you go perhaps to the wrong organization, you might be stuck in a position where you don't have the impact that you want. So mm -hmm. you have to be honest with yourself about the impact that you want mm -hmm. and find that sort of location. And third, what I found in my career is that the person who you spend the most time with in your job is going to have the largest impact on you personally. What I always recommend is to find someone who inspires you, someone who you can imagine yourself working for, and sometimes even place that as a higher priority rather than the industry or the organization that you work for, because you might work for an organization, but at the end of the day, you're going to spend 90% of your time with your boss and your closest employees. So you have to make sure that you respect them and you enjoy working with them. All right. These are very important pieces of advice that I personally live by. I wanted to take the opportunity to thank you again for your time and for being with us here today at the Harvard Kennedy School. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you want to learn more about CID's research and events, please visit cid.harvard.edu. See you next week.